Letter forty one of Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven, by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty one. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Sunday, July twenty third. What pain, my dearest friend, does your kind solicitude for my welfare give me? How much more binding and tender are the ties of pure friendship, and the union of like minds, than the ties of nature? Well might the sweet singer of Israel, when he was carrying to the utmost extent the praises of the friendship between him and his beloved friend, say that the love of Jonathan to him was wonderful, that it surpassed the love of women. What an exalted idea does it give of the soul of Jonathan, sweetly attempered for the sacred band, if we may suppose it but equal to that of my Anna Howe for her fallen Clarissa? But although I can glory in your kind love for me, think, my dear, what concern must fill a mind, not ungenerous, when the obligation lies all on one side, and when, at the same time that your light is the brighter for my darkness, I must give pain to a dear friend, to whom I delighted to give pleasure, and not pain only, but discredit, for supporting my blighted fame against the busy tongues of uncharitable censures. This is that makes me, in the words of my admired exclaimer, very little altered, often repeat, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my childhood, when the Almighty was yet with me, when I was in my father's house, when I washed my steps with butter, and the rock poured me out rivers of oil. You said before me your reasons, enforced by the opinion of your honoured mother, why I should think of Mr. Lovelace for a husband, and I have before me your letter of the thirteenth, containing the account of the visit and proposals and kind interposition of the two misses montague in the names of the good ladies sadler and betty lawrence and in that of my lord m also yours of the eighteenth demanding me as i may say of those ladies and of that family when i was so infamously and cruelly arrested and you knew not what was become of me the answer likewise of those ladies signed in so full and generous a manner by themselves and by that nobleman and those two venerable ladies and in his light way by the wretch himself these my dearest miss howe and your letter of the sixteenth which came when i was under arrest and which i received not till some days after are all before me and i have as well weighed the whole matter and your arguments in support of your advice as at present my head and my heart will let me weigh them i am moreover willing to believe not only from your own opinion but from the assurances of one of mr lovelace's friends mr belford a good-natured and humane man who spares not to censure the author of my calamities, I think with undissembled and undesigning sincerity, that that man is innocent of the disgraceful arrest. And even, if you please, in sincere compliment to your opinion, and to that of Mr. Hickman, that, over-persuaded by his friends, and ashamed of his unmerited baseness to me, he would in earnest marry me, if I would have him. Well, and now, what is the result of all? It is this, that I must abide by what I have already declared, and that is, don't be angry at me, my best friend, that I have much more pleasure in thinking of death than of such a husband. In short, as I declared in my last, that I cannot, forgive me if I say, I will not, ever be his. But you will expect my reasons, I know you will, and if I give them not, will conclude me either obstinate, or implacable, or both, and those would be sad imputations, if just, to be laid to the charge of a person who thinks and talks of dying. And yet, to say that resentment and disappointment have no part in my determination, 
would be saying a thing hardly to be credited for i own i have resentment strong resentment but not unreasonable ones as you will be convinced if already you are not so when you know all my story if ever you do know it for i begin to fear so many things more necessary to be thought of than either this man or my own vindication have i to do that i shall not have time to compass what i have intended and in a manner promised you i have one reason to give in support of my resolution that i believe yourself will allow of but having owned that i have resentments i will begin with those considerations in which anger and disappointment have too great a share in hopes that having once disburdened my mind upon paper and to my anna howe of those corroding uneasy passions i shall prevent them for ever from returning to my heart and to have their place supplied by better milder and more agreeable ones my pride then my dearest friend although a great deal mortified is not sufficiently mortified if it be necessary for me to submit to make that man my choice whose actions are and ought to be my abhorrence what shall i who have been treated with such premeditated and perfidious barbarity as is painful to be thought of and cannot with modesty be described think of taking the violator to my heart can i vow duty to one so wicked and hazard my salvation by joining myself to so great a profligate now i know him to be so do you think your clarissa harlowe so lost so sunk at least as that she could for the sake of patching up in the world's eye a broken reputation meanly appear indebted to the generosity or perhaps compassion of a man who has by means so inhuman robbed her of it indeed my dear i should not think my penitence for the rash step i took anything better than a specious delusion if i had not got above the least wish to have mr lovelace for my husband yes i warrant i must creep to the violator and be thankful to him for doing me poor justice do you not already see me pursuing the advice you give with a downcast eye appear before his friends and before my own supposing the latter would at last condescend to own me divested of that noble confidence which arises from a mind unconscious of having deserved reproach do you not see me creep about mine own house preferring all my honest maidens to myself as if afraid too to open my lips either by way of reproof or admonition lest their bolder eyes should bid me look inward and not expect perfection from them and shall i entitle the wretch to upbraid me with his generosity and his pity and perhaps to reproach me for having been capable of forgiving crimes of such a nature i once indeed hoped little thinking him so premeditatedly vile a man that i might have the happiness to reclaim him i vainly believed that he loved me well enough to suffer my advice for his good and the example i humbly presumed i should be enabled to set him to have weight with him and the rather as he had no mean opinion of my morals and understanding but now what hope is there left for this my prime hope were i to marry him what a figure should i make preaching virtue and morality to a man whom i had trusted with opportunities to seduce me from all my own duties and then supposing i were to have children by such a husband must it not think you cut a thoughtful person to the heart to look round upon her little family and think she had given them a father destined without a miracle to perdition and whose immoralities propagated among them by his vile example might too probably bring down a curse upon them and after all who knows but that my own sinful compliances with a man who might think himself entitled to my obedience might taint my own morals and make me instead of a reformer an imitator of him for who can touch pitch and not be defiled let me then repeat that i truly despise this man if i know my own heart indeed i do i pity him beneath my very pity as he is i nevertheless pity him but this i could not do 
if I still loved him, for, my dear, one must be greatly sensible of the baseness and ingratitude of those we love. I love him not, therefore. My soul disdains communion with him. But, although thus much is due to resentment, yet have I not been so far carried away by its angry effects, as to be rendered incapable of casting about what I ought to do, and what could be done, if the Almighty, in order to lengthen the time of my penitence, were to bid me to live. The single life at such times has offered to me, as the life, the only life to be chosen. But in that, must I not now sit brooding over my past afflictions, and mourning my faults till the hour of my release? And would not every one be able to assign the reason why Clarissa Harlowe chose solitude, and to sequester herself from the world? Would not the look of every creature who beheld me appear as a reproach to me? And would not my conscious eye confess my fault, whether the eyes of others accuse me or not? One of my delights was to enter the cots of my poor neighbours, to leave lessons to the boys and cautions to the elder girls. And how should I be able, unconscious and without pain, to say to the latter, Fly the delusions of men, who had been supposed to have run away with one? What then, my dear and only friend, can I wish for but death? And what, after all, is death? "'Tis but a cessation from mortal life. "'Tis but the finishing of an appointed course, "'the refreshing in after a fatiguing journey, "'the end of a life of cares and troubles, "'and, if happy, the beginning of a life of immortal happiness. "'If I die not now, it may possibly happen "'that I may be taken when I am less prepared. "'Had I escaped the evils I labour under, "'it might have been in the midst of some gay, promising hope, "'when my heart had beat high with the desire of life, "'and when the vanity of this earth had taken hold of me.' But now, my dear, for your satisfaction let me say that, although I wish not for life, yet would I not, like a poor coward, desert my post when I can maintain it, and when it is my duty to maintain it. More than once, indeed, was I urged by thoughts so sinful, but then it was in the height of my distress, and once particularly, I have reason to believe I saved myself by my desperation from the most shocking personal insults, from a repetition as far as I know of his vileness. The base women, with so much reason dreaded by me present, to intimidate me, if not to assist him. Oh, my dear, you know not what I suffered on that occasion, nor do I what I escaped at the time, if the wicked man had approached me to execute the horrid purposes of his vile heart. As I am of opinion that it would have manifested more of revenge and despair than of principle, had I committed a violence upon myself, when the villainy was perpetrated, so I should think it equally criminal, were I now wilfully to neglect myself were I purposely to run into the arms of death, as that man supposes I shall do, when I might avoid it. Nor, my dear, whatever are the suppositions of such a short-sighted, such a low-souled man, must you impute to gloom, to melancholy, to despondency, nor yet to a spirit of faulty pride, or still more faulty revenge, the resolution I have taken never to marry this, and if not this, any man. So far from deserving this imputation, I do assure you, my dear and only love, that I will do everything I can to prolong my life, till God, in mercy to me, shall be pleased to call for it. I have reason to think my punishment is but the due consequence of my fault, and I will not run away from it, but beg of heaven to sanctify it to me. When appetite serves, I will eat and drink what is sufficient to support nature. A very little, you know, will do for that, and whatever my physicians shall think fit to prescribe, I will take, though ever so disagreeable. In short, I will do everything I can to convince all my friends, who hereafter may think it worth their while to inquire after my last behaviour, that I possess my soul with tolerable patience, and endeavoured to bear with the lot of my own drawing. For thus, in humble imitation of the sublimest exemplar, I often say, Lord, it is thy will, and it shall be mine. Thou art just in all thy dealings with the children of men, and I know thou wilt not afflict me beyond what I can bear. 
and if I can bear it, I ought to bear it, and thy grace assisting me, I will bear it. But here, my dear, is another reason, a reason that will convince you yourself that I ought not to think of wedlock, but of a preparation for a quite different event. I am persuaded, as much as that I am now alive, that I shall not long live. The strong sense I have ever had of my fault, the loss of my reputation, my disappointments, the determined resentment of my friends, aiding the barbarous usage I have met with where I least deserved it, have seized upon my heart, seized upon it before it was so well fortified by religious considerations, as I hope it now is. Don't be concerned, my dear, but I am sure, if I may say it with as little presumption as grief, that God will soon dissolve my substance, and bring me to death, and to the house appointed for all living. And now, my dearest friend, you know all my mind, and you will be pleased to write to the ladies of Mr. Lovelace's family, that I think myself infinitely obliged to them for their good opinion of me, and that it has given me greater pleasure than I thought I had to come in this life, that, upon the little knowledge they have of me, and that not personal, I was thought worthy, after the ill usage I have received, of an alliance with their honourable family, but that I can by no means think of their kinsman for husband, and do you, my dear, extract from the above such reasons as you think have any weight with them. I would write myself to acknowledge their favour, had I not more employment for my head, my heart, and my fingers, than I doubt they will be able to go through. I should be glad to know when you set out on your journey, as also your little stages, and your time of stay at your aunt Harmon's, that my prayers may locally attend you, whithersoever you go, and wherever you are. Clarissa Harlowe End of letter 41